Welcome to Bold Becoming Identity Retooled. This podcast is where we explore the landscape of the immensity of landmines that exist for people who've lost their sense of identity, who've been shaken to the core, and are relearning who they are now that a part of them is lost. It's stories of how people manage this struggle, regain their footing, and the gifts they've discovered along the way. Thanks for tuning in. Hi, Jess. Hi, Julie. Thanks for coming on. Yes, thanks for having me. I'm super excited to dive into my story. Good. Well, I met Jess Diamond on a um, Facebook page for people doing podcasts and and looking to get interviewed. And her, so I actually poached her from a different person's post looking for people. And she wrote, I got furloughed at the start of the pandemic at 23 years old and found my passion first with personal training and now with coaching. And so then I wrote to her and said, well, was there any kind of unexpected identity loss around this getting furloughed? And And her answer is, oh, insane identity loss. I thought my entry level job was my purpose and defined me. So we are going to hear your story, and I can't wait because I was just telling her before we got on, this is actually only my second story about identity loss around the impact of COVID. So, and and also the other person was a lot older, sort of getting closer to retirement, and you're just like at the beginning of your career. And so I'm I can't wait to to hear a a young person's story on this. Yeah, I mean, it was an experience that I wouldn't wish upon my worst enemy, but I'm so grateful that it happened the way that it did, even though looking back, it was a really, really tough time for me to go through. And I even, I kept a COVID journal and I still update it to this day. And right before we hopped on, I was just kind of going through some of those entries right at the start of everything shutting down, just like reliving it in a sense. And my heart goes out to my younger self. It really does because I, in it, I just talk about how lost I felt and how I felt I couldn't even get a handle in the adult world because I was only working, I started working August of 2019. That was, I graduated in May, couldn't really find a job and then finally got one at the end of the summer, started working in a brand new city where I didn't know anyone. And then like seven, eight months later, the whole world shut down. And I worked from home for not even two full days. Like it was 4 p.m. on the second day that I was working from home where I was logged on to a call with my boss, the vice president in HR, and they told me that right as soon as this call is over, I'm to shut down my laptop and not return to work for at least a month. And I just lost myself within that. And the days following that was a very dark and very like self-exploratory and a lot of insecurities were being faced within me. And it was things that no one in my family talked about and no one had ever experienced losing their job. So it was very foreign. And I felt so alone with trying to navigate this space and this loss of identity that I was dealing with. Well, let's hear more about that. And before you go into it more, so what what kind of work were you doing? And was it the type of work that people ended up doing at home online? 
So I was definitely in a unique situation with that. I was doing interior design work and it was retail and restaurant design. And that was some of the hardest hit industries was retail and restaurants. They had to shut down. They had no look as to what was happening. And the work we were doing was projects like three to five years ahead of time. And they shut everything down because they didn't know what the future looked like at all. There was nothing to even plan for. On top of that, I was in a satellite office where their main headquarters was in Canada and Canada had very different protocols that were a lot more serious compared to where I was out. I was in Celebration Florida, which is just basically an exit past Disney World. And so it was Florida and Florida didn't have as many regulations or protocols. So it was very conflicting because my friends were experiencing one thing, but I had to act as what my company was acting as. And I was the only person in the satellite office, aside from a part-time, like retired older gentleman that was more of a connector between us and Disney. Uh, so it was kind of complicated. It made it for a very interesting situation. I think had I been in a different field for interior design, I know everyone that I graduated with didn't have any issues with their jobs, with like being in either healthcare or residential or corporate, like they were still continuing on with projects. So I was the only one to experience this because of the type of design I was doing. So because restaurants pretty much shut down and, and yeah. hotels travel and all that versus yeah. hospitals did not shut down. Wow. So, so you, you couldn't have continued it working online because it was an on-site type of job where you you would go on site to the the places right uh not really because i was satellite it was if someone from the headquarters flew down which was about once a month if not once every other month we would do site visits into disney we were working on some behind the scenes like where the employees hang out work so nothing that anyone could ever see except for the people that work there uh, but I, the work I was doing, I definitely could have done from home had none of the projects gotten paused. So I think that was the main reason was because retail, like all tops, types of shopping places and all the restaurants, and we even did gas stations, all the gas stations didn't shut down. It was just, they were terrified of what the future held and didn't want to pay out any money. Like these companies, not my company, so I was the first one in, or I was the last one in. So I was definitely the first one to lose my job. And I honestly don't know what happened to anyone in the Canada office, which is kind of funny. I didn't keep in touch with any of them. Mm -hmm. How long had you been working with them? It was eight months or seven months, I think like seven and a half, maybe. Oh, right. You had, you had just gotten out of school, had a hard time finding a job, and then you got your job. And then didn't work very long at all until COVID turned the world upside down and inside out. Yeah. So yeah, so you didn't even have time to establish. And then, and then of course, being re, being in Florida and they were in Canada, you don't necessarily develop close relationships that easily over <laughs> over that kind of working situation. Yeah. So they. So basically, so what month was that that you that you had that call 
or that Zoom and they told you at the end of it, you're done? It was March. So it was, everyone started working from home like middle of March. And I remember asking the head of HR, like if I could start working from home because I was in a satellite office. There was nobody coming in, but I was sharing like the bathrooms and the floors with all these like lab places and doctor's offices. So people are coming in and out all day. And I was scared. So it was like, can I start working from home? And her response, I remember to this day was, you're young, you'll live. And I was like, what? So I was one of the last people that I knew to start working from home. So I think my last day, whatever that Tuesday was, it was probably like March 24th or 23rd, somewhere in that week was when I was told I was furloughed for at least one month and then they would reevaluate. You're young, you'll live with a brand new (laughs) epidemic that's never been seen before. How would they know that? Yeah, I was fuming because I already wasn't happy that I was the only one. I mean, the bright, I wasn't happy that I was the only one still having to commute to work every day. And my commute was 30 miles on the worst highway in Orlando, which is called I-4. It's notorious for being the worst highway. Um, And the bright side was there was no traffic because I passed every theme park to get to work and all the theme parks were shut down. So I would get to work really quick and come home. And I know, I remember calling my mom on my drives home like that last week when everyone that I knew was working from home. Uh, and I was like, it just feels so weird. There's this very eerie, empty feeling. No one's on the road except for me. There's no traffic. It felt almost like the holidays were happening again. Cause you know, like that feeling, it's kind of like a high uncertain thing, like floating around. And like, that's what I was experiencing. And then I finally got the okay to work from home. They really pushed back to like, no. And even when I, they first hired me, they made it very clear. They're like, you will never work from home. They didn't know seven months later, we'd be in a global pandemic, but it was, Definitely very odd reactions. And I think that's part of it of no one really knew how to react. Everyone was in their own type of haze of uncertainty. And, but I was, I had just turned 23 at the beginning of March. So I was still a baby. And just like, I felt I had no guidance and no support and no help from my work, from the people that were supposed to be supportive and helpful and there for me because I was the baby in the working world. Not even no support, but basically acting like they knew better than whoever that you wouldn't die. And, and, and that's, that's a pretty um, heavy statement to make to somebody sort of eviscerates your value. It seems like it, it would, I mean, what, what does that statement do to your identity right there on the, on the spot? That's, that, that's like, well, a lot of things are unheard of because of COVID, but that's kind of an unheard of type of thing to say to somebody. So what does that do to you? How, how did I that... mean, it made me feel like they don't care about me. So to be fair, I was looking to change jobs start like probably about the mid end of january of that year i had started 
interviewing at other firms. I was looking to leave. I was not happy with this firm. So it really, it wasn't so much anything to do with my identity, but rather a confirmation of I, this company is not a good company to work for. Right. So you had enough self-confidence and self-esteem that you, you already were reading the signs that this, you didn't, this didn't fit for you. And then that confirmed it. Yeah. I, I got something like that. I was working as a medical social worker for a couple of years at this hospital. And there was a whole bunch of social workers, like 30 of us. And, and the chief, Sandra Holiday, she was a very prominent person. Let's just use those words. And then I, I got a, uh, offered another job. And so I went in to tell her that I would be leaving. And two years in, she finally complimented me and told me a whole bunch of stuff. Like you're going to be working with nurses there and they don't know what social workers do and you won't be supported as a social worker. Now I was thinking to myself, but I was never supported as a social worker here. Like this is the first time in two years you've ever shown any inkling that I matter. Yeah. It's just amazing how, how, how this, you know, happens in, in workplaces. It's very sad. Yeah. So, so you get this news and you hang up and then, then what happens? Oh, then <laughs> I called my mom crying. I didn't know what to do or how to feel or how to handle this. Like I was in this state of shock and a large part of it, I know, has to do with like a lot of people don't know this that it has to do with my father when i was in sixth grade he took me and my sister to school every single day and then my mom had my mom needed me and my sister on the same schedule and she's two years older so we changed schools to a middle combined middle school and high school and no longer needed my dad to drive us to school for that next school year and that was his reason for getting up out of bed every morning and he lost that reason and then it led to his demise like he started to spiral out because he lost his purpose that's what my mom told me of like you girls were the reason he got out of bed every day that's why he was continuing on and it so it put that really into my perspective of i no longer have a reason to wake up every day what if i spiral in the way that he did and he passed away a year and a half after he had spiraled do to some a lot of unforeseen circumstances but like it was just a lot of my childhood being brought to light and a lot of things i was trying to process and face of like this happened to someone that i share half of my dna with what if it happens to me as a result too yeah that's that's you know what happens when we go into crisis is we 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 look at you know how you know what's happened it it brings us back to other parts of our life similarities and then probably you you got some strength from that too but in the moment it it's a lot of fear and i would imagine yeah i was 
terrified. I think a lot of it was highlighted because not even just a year prior, like the summer of 2019, I was going through a similar experience, but it was more so I didn't have anything next. So I was still on my college campus. I My boyfriend at the time was still there. My friends were still there. So I was still around a lot of people that I knew and that was familiar. And then, but I was still very much struggling mentally of, I don't know, like of the uncertainty of my future. And then I finally like got something. I was like, yes, let's go. And it was less than ideal. And then the pandemic happened. So then I'm like back at that state of uncertainty and of what am I doing? What do I do each day? I started to just really prolong every errand I was doing. I would, I lived about a mile from the supermarket and things like that. So I would just walk there and walk home and make it like a two hour ordeal because I had nothing else I was doing. And I know a lot of my habits started to get really bad and I would lay in bed until like 11 a.m. I would watch TV. I I would still work out. That was one thing that I kept consistent in my life was like my activity levels. But other than that, I was just not... I had no routine. I had because I had nothing I needed to do and nowhere that I needed to be and no one needed me. And I also couldn't go home, which is a whole other thing. My mom uh, is in South Florida, but she works out of a hospital in Miami. And that was one of the harder hit times. So she was like, no one's allowed home. You have to stay where you're at. Like you can't see anybody. And there was just that's kind of like where it came to is like a lot of loneliness and a lot of independence. And it left me way too much time for self-reflection when I wasn't in a healthy mental state. So what did the unhealthy mental state look like? It's just a lot of tears of a lot of uh, getting upset with people or like with I know I would get upset with my boyfriend at the time a lot I get upset with my friends or I would just feel very lost and that's part of the reason why I started journaling and the other reason is I was like this is gonna mean something one day like 10 20 30 years from now I didn't know I was starting my success story like that's my origin but it was more so this is what someone in their younger 20s is living through during this global pandemic that's going to go down in history. And I think it's really cool to be able to look back into that and see where I was, because I know now I'm in a very healthy mental state. So I forget a lot of the stress and the like suffering that I was going through with my own mind that I just think of like, oh, it probably wasn't that bad. And I'll read these entries. And I was like, I wish I could hug my younger self. I wish mm -hmm. I could tell her it's going to be okay. You're going to get through this. This is to, going to lead you to something better. And you, you're going to need this time off. But there's no way to predict that when you're going through it. No, and especially not with the, the you know, global pandemic that nobody's ever seen before. Do you have mm -hmm. a, a short journal article or article um, piece that you'd, that could describe some of that that you like do to you read? want me to read you so want just, me to read it just a little a little short one if you sure, want I, I know that i'm that's pretty personal like personal very per like totally personal <laughs> and, um, if you, and if you don't we can just continue talking 
No, I would love to. I've actually never read it to anybody. This has it's it's on a Google Drive. It's at this point, it's like over 70 pages single spaced. Um, so I can read you. Uh, I'll read the snippet. So it talks about I'll give like a little backstory. Um, this is Tuesday, March 24th. So this is the day that I lost my job is what I'm reading on here. And then I wanted to call my boyfriend and like kind of just get his support. So I'll read that part of, I asked Joey to call me after his physics exam, hoping that maybe he would be able to cheer me up or distract me. I was feeling really down because I felt as though I lost my purpose in life, that I was no longer needed anywhere. And that thought really hit home since when my dad lost his purpose 11 years ago, he spiraled out for a year and then passed away. Anyways, Joey did probably the worst job at cheering me up, only making me want to cry more. He saw me at my lowest point last summer when I was having a hard time finding a job after graduation, and I feel bad that I'm burdening him again with my sadness. Life is hard, man. This year after leaving college has been really tough, and I feel like I can't find my way in adulthood. And then I talk about my roommate. But yeah. Well, so when you were reading that, you were reminding me of why I spent an entire year writing my book, Masters of Change. I don't know if you know, I, I just wrote a book about overcoming identity loss when the rugs pulled out from under you. Mm -hmm. And because the thing is, is that people go into hiding around this forced change, forced identity transition, because we don't want to be seen at our lowest and people are concerned. They're afraid. We're afraid. We don't know where it's going to lead. They just want us to get better. They don't actually know what to say and how to be helpful most of the time. And you, you just really summed it up and validated my, my effort. <laughs> Good. It's basically what I was telling you because that was like part of what I read is like one of the first entries and then there's things later down the line where my mom like was ready to help me so part of the issue part of my struggles was I because I didn't work long enough before I lost my job I didn't qualify for unemployment yet until like the third quarter of the year so I still had the entire second quarter was all pandemic land and I wasn't able to collect anything. And because I graduated in 2019 and everything was based on 2019 taxes, I was still a dependent on my mom, according to the government. So I didn't collect any stimulus checks either. So how did you survive? So my mom offered to pay my rent. She, I had savings, like my life savings, and she, was really good and she was like I don't want you to touch that you shouldn't have to touch that and so she paid my rent she covered my groceries and then I was just on my own for everything else so like utilities wi-fi gas um if I was like traveling so my boyfriend and I were long distance so if I went to go visit him like that was all on my own but she definitely helped with the big like groceries and rent are just massive charges like all on i mean today it's even worse but 
for back then it was, uh, those were the bulk of my expenses. And that's where I would be pulling from my savings to cover. And then I remember my grandparents sent me a check as well because they felt sorry for me. And I like started crying when I received that check because I felt like a charity case and I felt like they had to take care of me and I'm supposed to be on my own and I'm supposed to be this independent adult, but I can't and I wasn't. And like they, I'm so grateful that they were like my grandparents and my mom were able to lend a helping hand, but it felt awful to have to, to literally have to accept it. Otherwise I wouldn't be able to survive without it. Right. And you were at an age where you were just beginning to discover what it was to be independent and to not have other people helping you out. Mm -hmm. So you didn't even have, well, I, I mean, comparison doesn't really help, but I don't know if it would have been harder if you're older and you already know how to do it. And then that happens, or if you're just barely like out the door and then sort of pushed back in. But regardless, becoming financially dependent is, is a terrifying thing. And I know that happened to me when I lost I lost my job overnight taking notes um doing a social work interview my hand seized up on me and that was the end of my social work career because my hand never got better enough to go back to work and it's just absolutely terrifying like you're like you have a job and then all of a sudden you don't and there's and in my case there was no way to get another one because what can you do without your dominant hand and in your case you couldn't get another one because covid you know shut the entire world down i'm not totally but essentially it was not not a good time to be having to try to find a job mm -hmm. you couldn't find a job everyone was on a hiring freeze because they didn't know if they were able to keep their job soon or if their company was going to be foreclosed on or like go bankrupt or whatever the words are but yeah so it was I was just a sitting duck is what is the best way to describe it there was literally nothing I could do and that's kind of looking back like what started me to realize like what can I do like what do I have control over because everything felt so out of my control and out of my grasp and that's why that first month was just so difficult and then after that first month when i was scheduled to go back to work i think like april 24th or something like that i emailed the night before the evening before like the day before uh hr and my boss was like hey what's going on am i going back to work tomorrow like should i open the laptop get it ready and my boss was like, HR will be in contact with you. And I was like, okay. And then at like 7 p.m. the night before, I get an email from HR saying they're extending it at least 12 more weeks. And that's where I, that's the start of, I was like, okay, I'm done living this way. I'm suffering. I need to, I hope I, can I curse on here? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I, was like, I need to get my shit together. I need to do something with my time because I can't keep living this way. And that's where it just kind of all started falling into place for me. So you reminded me of my story 
when I went off on disability because of my hand, it, it turned out to be repetitive stress injury. And I just spent months and months going to doctor's appointments and taking care of my kid. And, you know, I didn't get two master's degrees to sit home, like, not doing anything. And, and then I finally, so it, it happened December 29th. So then, like, the next year, months and months were going on. And then it was August of the next year. And I just, and, and my son was getting ready to go back to school and everybody's getting ready to go back to school. And I just got this back to school itch. So I went and took all of these fashion courses in the fashion design community college program, which I had been really interested in like since 25 years earlier. And and anyway, it led one thing to another, but it, it's interesting how, you know, not just being in limbo, it just forces you to like explore and experiment and discover new stuff, or in my case, old stuff. And because just being in limbo is not, and there's it, there's a name for this. It's called liminality. It's an anthropology word where you're neither here nor there. You're not who you were before, and you're but you're not who you're becoming. You probably don't even really know who you're becoming. So it's really hard to like set any goals or make any plans. And so that's where it's all. And so the 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 two words that best define it is. Um, disorientation and ambiguity mm -hmm. do those like resonate with you yeah i mean definitely i think i really viewed that first month because my roommates were they lost their jobs too but they were a little older so they kind of had more of a handle on it all but because we were all off we just took it as like some extended vacation like we would go to the park together we would go to the pool but if they like left either go to go like to their families or something because their families were all lo both local i would just be alone and it was like that alone time that i'd really get start to get lost and be like i don't know what's going on and then to have my sister my older sister like she we're two years we're 19 months apart uh, actually, as we're recording this, her birthday's tomorrow. But uh, so she was also not very helpful during this time. She was giving me a hard time of if I was like, oh, yeah, mom's paying my rent because I literally had no job. And she had a much better job. She had been working for a couple years ahead of me. She didn't lose her job. And she's like, mom should be paying my stuff too. And I was like, that's not how that works. So it was just very, she wasn't helpful. Mm -hmm with what i was dealing with and then i was already just not in a good place so it wasn't as disoriented but there was a lot of ambiguity as to what do i do next and i what i did next was go get my personal training certification mainly yours was a 25 year interest mine was a year interest uh, i got into weightlifting the year prior and was like, oh, I should get my certification, you know, just something to have something to expand my knowledge on something to like, do on the side, maybe like really had no plan with it. And uh, my boyfriend at the time told me not to get it because it takes a long time. It's not worth it. 
So it was like that takes a long time part that when they extended my furlough, I was like, I have nothing but time right now. I'm going to go do this. I'm going to just see where it takes me again with no intention of making it anything or having it be a passion. It was just something, it was an interest. It was something I was curious about. It was something I wanted to learn more about and see what would happen with it again with no intention of it leading me down the road that it did so it was a, like cool to be in and then it was also like i finally had something i was working towards so that was that second part of now i could set a goal i my goal was to finish the certification in the next three months like that was i was like by i think i bought it the first week of may and i was like i ideally want to be certified by the end of July, if not mid July. And I did like I did achieve that goal. And this is an online certification. How do you do bodybuilding online? <laughs> so the, it's a yeah, it's an online certification to get and then you can you can be an online personal trainer. I know a lot of personal trainers now that are online. I do in person, but I'll program some of my clients if they're at that point in their journey or needing help with it. Uh, but it was, a, you get the certification online. So it's a lot more textbook knowing how to do, but like any job and any degree you get is like, it's the hands-on experience that's gonna teach you. So it was actually very ironic of, you know, like the, I, I think the universe is always just there to, it, they want, the universe wants you to succeed and to thrive. And January of 2020, I went to an outdoor boot camp that was just a free pop up. And I was like, I want to get to know more people. So I went to it. And then as soon as I started the certification in May, there was an ad that came across my Facebook of trainers wanted for this outdoor boot camp. And I was like, I know this one. I went to it in January. So I, I reached out and they started training me. I started doing group coaching and it was outside. So it started, they were on Zoom for the first couple of weeks where I was being trained. Uh, and then it's, they went back to outside and you just put your mats far away from everyone. And that was really just how I fell in love with it. Because once I started creating the workouts, it took my creative side of my brain, which I loved accessing. That's why I became an interior designer. And then it also, the feeling of everyone felt so much better after like leaving my workout than when they came and that's that was my high like that was my drug i was like this is amazing i want to do nothing but this for the rest of my life but my mom told me i needed to go back to the working world because at this point i had been unemployed for five months and florida was opening back up there were jobs happening so it was time to go back to my degree and but i knew i knew it was what I was meant to be doing. And it was, it then became my mission of going back to the corporate world to be able to leave it so I could do this. So now I had a new goal of I'm not in this corporate world for a lo much longer. I'm just going to do it for right now until I can figure out what's next, get my bearings, and then make that transition. And that's what led me to life and nutrition coaching, which is actually where my true passion is. So it was like this nice, very unexpected progression that I that's why I don't regret it at all. And I'm so grateful for this time because had I not been unemployed for as long as I was, I wouldn't have explored what else I could be doing. 
totally get it. I would not be doing podcasts. I would not have this book written. I would, you know, I don't know where I would be, but definitely not right here today. Yeah. So what were some of the strengths that you used getting through that time of, of liminality and, and I know what it's like to have people like sort of invalidating and thinking you're off on vacation when it, it's not your choice. Cause that's sort of like people thought that I was on vacation. I'm like, no, this, I'm not, I didn't own a Netflix account, Comcast account. i never surfed the web. Even on my job, I didn't have access to internet. This was a long time ago. And I had to put in, as a social worker, I would have had to put in a, a request with an explanation why they should give me access to the internet to do my social work job. And I was like, if they can't figure that out, then to hell with them. So I, you know, I was not a computer person and then I lost my job and then people like thought of me as, so it's an invisible disability. And in your case, it's like invisible. It's like, well, I'm not employed because COVID, right? And and I wasn't employed because of my hand thing, but I was, you know, I wasn't using a wheelchair or anything. And people hadn't, you know, they hadn't heard of, they, you know, they just, people can't understand. And so then they make all these assumptions about you. And then you, there's all this judgment and... Mm -hmm. So how did you, what, what kind of strengths did you use to, and then also you had this family history of your dad. What were, what was the main strength that you pulled upon to get you through that really tough time? I think it was just knowing I needed a routine. I needed to like, just get back into like humans need routine to survive. It's like, it's now what I help other people to get to. Cause it was like, that was my game changer. Like I started to have, I started to just make my mornings as long as possible. But with that, I implemented just some rules for myself and it's rules that I still have today now that I'm self-employed. Uh, and it's like, don't turn the TV on until after you've eaten dinner until like everything's done for the day. My long mornings are now like the things that I value most in my day of just like relax, like have a nice slow start, read. I started reading self-help books. So those really helped kind of get my mind right of what I was, how I was approaching my life and my mindset. And that was really allowing me to learn more about who I was and what I wanted. And so I started doing that while I was drinking my coffee, I would, go to the gym my gym had opened back up by i think the end of may so i started going again like to the actual gym i'd come back i would relax i would study for about two hours with my certification i would work on a puzzle or i'd go for a walk i started listening to podcasts too at this time so just like a lot of things that helped my brain all at once without me really understanding like that that's what it was doing but looking back like as a coach now i'm like that's exactly what i should have been doing during that time so like kudos to me i guess uh but i wouldn't even say it was an inner strength it was more so 
of I knew the way because the way I was operating through all of April was this is going to be over by the end of April. And that was my mindset. And when it wasn't, it was okay, you had your fun. Let's get back into something. Like do something, be consistent in the way that you are operating in your life on a day-to-day aspect so you don't lose yourself. So you're not just lounging around waiting for that next day to come and go and so on and so forth because that's where it gets really dark and sad and you're not helping yourself in any way, like physically, mentally, emotionally, like nothing. You're just throwing yourself your own pity party. So the thing is getting that you're still without a job for at least three more months was that wake up call of okay what should we do now and put a plan in place nice the um implementing rules for yourself and having um routines what did you discover when you were doing the personal development work? What did you discover about yourself? Or or how did you grow into someone else? I would say, I think the biggest thing that I can remember, because I mean, mind you, it's like over three years now from that time of my life, which just seems so forever ago. I was an entirely <laughs> different person then. Um, but I remember I was, I don't remember, I was reading two books at once. My friend, Kevin gave me the alchemist to borrow. And I was reading that at the same time as some other book. And I don't remember, but like the hidden, like the underlying message in the alchemist of like, keep going. Like there's going to be hard times, but you have to keep going, keep showing up for yourself. Uh, was the same message that was being blatantly told in the other book. And I was like, okay. If both of these books are saying it, then it's got to be true. I do have to keep going. And I mean, I all I read, I have not picked up a fictional book since the pandemic. Like I have only read self-help books. That's what I read now. Right now I'm reading how to talk to anyone about anything. So I hope it's working on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But it was just very interesting parallels in each of these books that it gave me the reassurance that this isn't something that's so uncommon, like these hardships in this time of your life and that there's going to be more hardships you're going to encounter, but there's things that you can do about it. And there's uh, ways to healthily process it and what's going on and not just put yourself in a corner and cry. I mean, yes, crying is healthy. You should cry at times, but don't let it stop you from continuing to move on Mm -hmm. and you so you weren't a a self-help junkie before that or personal development junkie before that not at all I hardly read I was very good like I would go to the gym before work I'd go to work I'd come home I'd make dinner like I was healthy I was doing those things but I didn't listen to any podcasts that just wasn't no one in my family really did it wasn't a thing that was introduced my friends didn't do it I think like when you're at that age that's not really a common thing and I didn't realize personal development was a thing I think because you're naturally going through different phases of personal development throughout all of school mm-hmm. so you don't realize it until 
you enter the adult world and you realize there's a lot of this mundaneness in the same day over and over again. And that was something I really didn't like about the corporate job and the corporate world. And I knew I wasn't going to be there for the rest of my life because I simply could not operate in that way. But yeah, it was, it really was one of my roommates had a self-help book and I had finished mine and I was like, none of the bookstores were open. <laughs> I didn't have a Kindle or anything. So I was just like, I don't know what to do right now. And she's like, oh, read this book. And I think it was, uh, you are a badass or it's something, I always get the title mixed up, but it's something like that. And once I started reading that, I was like, oh, these are good. I like these books and just kept going. And I've read so many now in, over the last three years. Oh my goodness. So I'm trained um, through Brendan Burchard and his coaching curriculum. And once a year get re whatever, refreshed, recertified. And you go through another week training with him. And he always reminds us, he says that we're the weirdos because most people don't think about personal development. And for those of us who do, it's just almost like breathing air that, and, and it's hard to imagine how you cannot think about personal development and, and that, you know, that, that we're the weirdos and because the majority don't. Yeah, I, it makes me excited. It's like, oh, what can I improve on next? And it's like, you're constantly working towards something. You're constantly growing and life around you is constantly changing. You're so you need to learn how to evolve with it and how, and like growing, like having your own personal development, your own personal growth is going to help with those changes that are happening around you as well. Right. And the, the growth mindset that Carol Dweck describes in her book, what is, the, what is the book called? I forget what it's called, Mindset, um, is that there's either the growth mindset or the fixed mindset. And the fixed mindset thinks that everything is already there. And so you have to keep proving yourself to show that you don't have a deficit. And you're very risk averse because you don't want to show that you, you fail because that that doesn't that that just means that you're not okay and the growth mindset knows that you can fail and learn and fail and learn and fail and learn and i'm i'm just guessing because i haven't done any scientific study but oh and then also erminia ibarra who is a um career change she's an identity transition expert and i base um my book on her theories and she points out that regardless of status skills passion i forget all the things but none of that makes any difference and she's an expert in career transitions and she has a book on it um that none of none of all of those things attributes of a person is what makes it determines whether they actually succeed in their transition or not. And so, so your circumstances don't and your personal attributes as far as intelligence and, and skill set 
type of stuff. And so I'm, I'm thinking that probably it all has to do with my, the people who like stay stuck. It's on so my thing, forced identity transition when the rugs pulled out from under you. The, there's people who stay stuck. And then there's people who like you become an entirely new person. And I think it has to do with the mindset where we are willing to learn and grow. And we know that that's a possibility and we seek it out and versus just maybe um, saying, you know, blaming the circumstances and well, I'm stuck and this is, you know, become a victim type of person. Yeah. And I would definitely say I, the first month of losing my job, I was that like, woe is me mentality. And then I really think it was just starting to read those books. And I had like an old college friend, like sent me a podcast. It was actually a Brene Brown podcast that I started listening to. Uh, And then it started getting me into other, what other podcasts are out there? Like I started to just explore and it, the combination of like the books and the podcast is I think like what created the shift out of the woe is me part. And that I was like, no, there is something I can do. Like this isn't, there are a lot of things that I can't control. There are a lot of things that really, really suck right now, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't mean that this is the end of the world. It doesn't mean like this is, there's like, I still have my health. I still have a good brain. I'm still young. There's still so much I could do that. Let's just start exploring some interests and see what comes of it. And it just like, it created this very open-minded experience where I wasn't set on, okay, I'm going to become a personal trainer and start working as a personal trainer. And then I'm done. Like none of that even came to mind. It was, I was like, I'm going to get this certification and then, um, we'll see what happens next. And just everything that happened next was exactly what was supposed to happen. Right. And that's what Ermine Barra talks about is this fertile emptiness where we continue to let serendipity in the door. We continue to explore and discover and then reposition ourselves. And until it becomes, we get some clarity on where we actually are going to go from there. In my case, it wasn't very much fun because I, I was offered this voc re this little little tiny chunk of voc rehab money, like eighteen months for like a few thousand dollars, um, to to retrain into something else, and and I ended up studying. This lady was just dropped in my lap. It was actually a vision that I'd had twenty five years earlier of having the right teacher being the mother of a young child and somehow being financially supported to do it, to study with this right teacher, but there was no husband in the the vision. And so I was like, well, how does that work? Well, it works 25 years later with this little voc rehab money and I got the right teacher, but it was all so, so force fed that it's like, I have to make this work into a business. And it was very, 
it, it just, it, it, it was very difficult and not very much fun. And then, and then also people were judging me because like, well, oh, you get to do this art thing. Like who gets paid to do become an artist? Well, not very many people, but also how many artists actually make a living off of their, their art. <laughs> <laughs> and especially with something that nobody's looking for anymore now that fast fashion is is in but yeah so you you did it the way Ermina Ibarra would say is to just sort of not not prematurely commit to where you're going to end up so I was prematurely committed that they're paying me so that I can like make a living again and Whereas you were like, I'm just going to do something with my time and not so attached to the outcomes. And, and so that's what I write in my book is take action. Don't worry if you don't know exactly where you're going and, and measure your progress on action taken versus outcomes achieved mm -hmm. while you're in the liminal space. Yeah. And I think like if it's a, it was very out of character for me to not attach an outcome. Oh, to yeah. It. Yeah. If that was not something I had typically done. I don't know where it came from, but it was I think just because I was surrounded by so much uncertainty that it was you can't plan for the future. So let's just see where it ha what goes like where this is going to go and it put a lot less I mean I still had a lot of pressure on myself because I was like I have to pass this exam because like you get one chance to pass it otherwise you have to pay to take it again yeah. um and so I was like that was that was the one outcome I was shooting for I was like I have to pass that so I stressed myself out with that but it was anything after that was more so of I'm honestly buying some time. It's giving me something to do right now. And that's what I needed in that moment was something to do. Nice. So do you have more of your story to tell or, or should I ask you to give your nutshell identities um, before, in the middle of and after this forced change? That's that's what I would bring up next. So I can talk right into that. I don't think I think like pandemic time, we've really covered all of the shifts that had happened to get me to where I am now. But that's what I want to say next was who I was, who I became and who I am now are three very different people, but have this lovely stepping stone to it because I went from someone who felt her entry level job was her passion or not her passion was who she was. This was the reason she was needed in society. This was her purpose. And without it, she's nothing. She and you and nothing. you just invested a ton of time and money going to get a degree in that. Yeah. Yeah. So it was the career that was already a struggle for me to get. And I got it and I was like, yes, this is me. This is what I do. And I fully held my identity to it. So then when it got stripped away, I moved into the next version of me of who am I outside of my career, outside of the degree that I chose. And it was exploring like my personality. It was, what do I enjoy 
enjoy doing. I like working out. I like helping other people. It's like, okay, I want to, I like learning things. I loved this introduction of continuous growth. And so now I became like that person. That was my new identity. And I would honestly say it has shifted again into my career is my identity but in a different way because it's something that i created and no one like more intentional i mean it's intentional when you're in college but it's doesn't you don't have as much insight into it's sort of like i have to become somebody because that's that's what we do when we grow up versus now i can become anybody is that yeah. is that the way it sort of worked? Yeah, that's a, definitely like how it transitioned. And then now I'm at a place where it's personal. Like coaching is who I am. I, I I've like always want to help someone. I always want to like get in their brain and help them come to their own revelations because I had to do that for myself in a time where it was very tough and very scary, very uncertain. And it's different in the respect that I built this. This is mine and no one can take it from me. Whereas before, as I clearly experienced was, they can take my job, but this is, it puts me in control. I'm in the driver's seat of my life and my outcomes and what and how I want to feel and how I want to live every day. So now, yes, my, identity and my purpose and who I am is my career, but in a different way and in a more meaningful and impactful way. And I think that's a really beautiful realization that I'm actually coming to as I'm saying these words to you right now. And I love that thought because I thought at first it was a little scary of, oh no, I identify as my career again, but it's drastically different this time around. And I, I love it. I love that I do identify as it because it is who I am. It is connected to me, whether I am on a coaching call with the client or I'm at a bar with friends. I'm me. And that's the part that matters. So what is the insight that you were just coming to talking? That I am my career. Because I was my career, but I was my interior design career. And that's that's different because like mainly because of that the ownership of like that can be taken from me this coaching career can never be taken from me mm-hmm. so you you feel way more empowered mm-hmm. in this identity this well that is beautiful so what um before we close out what is your bio what do you do what do you do for people how can they find you online and what are a couple of takeaways yeah so i am just diamond you can i am a life and nutrition coach for young professionals so really anyone from age 20 to early 30s honestly if you identify as a young professional i say come on board Uh, but i help you get your shit together so that you can gain confidence, clarity, and direction in your life so that you own your life in the way that I've found ownership in my own. You can find me on Instagram at coach.jessdiamond, so J-E-S-S, diamond. And then I also have a business 
a business, a website, justdiamondcoaching.com. So on both of those, you can always reach out, always accepting new clients, always eager to work with people and hear their story and what they believe their true potential is and how I can help them get there. Nice. And you've, you're, you, you, you've tried, you're tried and true with your methods. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause I, I lived through it myself. I became the resource that I needed. And in 2020, as far as my knowledge goes, there weren't any young professional coaches. Wow. Like coaching is a very new industry. So even just three years ago, I mean, even once I started going through, like entering the coaching space, I was, I believe I'm one of the first. There's probably like just a handful out there. Now there's more in today's world. Um, there's a lot more surfacing that I see. And I'm like, great, like we need more. Uh, but I, yeah, it's, I became the resource I needed because I needed someone to help me in a time where I was feeling very alone and very lost. Mm -hmm. Good for you. Good for you. What are a couple of takeaways you'd like to leave the audience with? Oh, uh, I think really just the last thing that I had said was understanding that my career is my identity again, but in a way that's a lot more empowering and a lot more special. All right. That's, that's the biggest one, hands down. <laughs> well, thank you, Jess. Yeah, thanks, Julie. This was fun. Yeah. And this has been Julie Brown on Bold Becoming. Hey there. The value that you got from this today, take it into your heart. Add value to it in your own life by putting it into practice and growing it to be part of your life, your daily habits, the takeaways that you got from this. Words and thoughts only take us so far. It's implementing on those words and thoughts that will change your life. Ideas are just ideas. Taking action on ideas is where growth happens and freedom emerges from growth. Freedom from our past invisible binding. We're here to grow and release ourselves from our past constraints. With awareness, intention, and through taking action on new choices, we evolve. In this process, we exalt our pain and suffering into wisdom that empowers us. We all have the ability to transform and become that person we yearn to be. If today's episode added value to your life, please share it with others. And make sure to subscribe to Bold Becoming Identity Retooled. And if you might, Take a minute right now and leave a review so that others can find out about this podcast. If you'd like to contact me for one-on-one -on -one coaching or to get on the wait list for my Tough Stories workshop, send me an email and we'll be in touch. Be sure to check out our free Facebook group of Bold Becomers. The link's in the show notes.